Lord God, thank you for your word to us. We pray that you'd fill us again with your Holy Spirit, so we might hear your voice speaking to our hearts this morning. Amen. So it's Palm Sunday. So it's the day we remember the, the palms and the waving, the excitement and the cheering. Um, it just made me think, have you ever wanted there to be a ticker tape for you? In your honour? Now, I, I, this is where I'll do a little bit of uh, my own personal confession. When I was about eight, I did the Wembley Stadium tour. And you kind of you go around and you get to lift the F, a replica of the FA Cup. And as you do, the stadium's completely empty, but they play cloud, crowd cheering noise over the tunnel. And as an eight-year-old boy, it's like, yes! There's that, imagine that the whole place is absolutely full, and you have just scored, despite the fact that you're only three foot high. You've got the winning goal in the FA Cup final. Uh, and, you kind of, you know, and I did daydream as a, as a boy. That I, you know, I'd, I'd do something like scoring a goal for England and have everyone cheering and everything else. The closest I ever got to it was there's a competition called the London Youth Games where school children from the different bowls compete against each other uh, in competitions. Now, you might know the only sport I'm any good at at all is ping pong. That's the sport my family do. It's what my dad played, what my brother played, so I went and played with them. Uh, and it, because it's what we did, I, I got reasonably good at it. I'm not very sporty, but I played it enough that I was OK. Uh, and so I got into the, the team to play for Barnet. Uh, that was the borough that, that I played in. And uh, the way it played, there was sort of two boys and a girl on each team, and you played, everyone played each other, so you played two singles games, and then you'd play a mixed doubles. Uh, and so I would play with our, our girl player. And most bowers were struggling to get out three good players. They might have one player who used normally played, but it, it would just be whoever was known by the person who organised that bowers team would get in. So we were playing a team, they weren't very good. Um, the girl playing with me was all right, but I was the best player out of the four of us. And so it's quite a nice position to be in. So kind of like, okay, this game's going to be quite easy. I can be quite relaxed. At which point, the netball team for Barnet is walking past between games. And they kind of go, oh, look, Barnet are playing ping pong. Come on, Barnet. At which point, for the first time in my life, I have 12 girls cheering everything that I do. And it, it did go to my head just a little bit in terms of some, my shots became a little bit more flamboyant. Uh, I went for a few more big winning shots. Uh, I was 16, sue me. And it was just that sense of, yay, look, people are looking at me. Isn't this fantastic? Um, <laughs> now, we look at Jesus on Palm Sunday and he's riding to Jerusalem at the time of his choosing. He's organised it all. He's got the transport. And people are going bananas. They're cheering for him. Um, they're waving branches. They're cutting things down so that the, the, it's a softer road for his donkey. And they're shouting, praise God for the son of David. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in highest heaven. Everything he's been trying to get them to understand for three years and suddenly it feels like they've got it they recognize who he is they understand isn't this great yes see the problem is they're celebrating jesus as king and jesus knows that being king 
means following the path his father has laid out for him, which is a path of sacrifice and a path of brokenness and a path that leads to the cross. And we know he knows this because Matthew is really, really clear. I said a quick check through the chapters leading up to Matthew 21. So it, by, by all means, flick back a couple of pages if you've got your Bible open with you. But Matthew chapter 16, verse 1. Uh, people demanding a sign from Jesus. And he says, the only sign you'll get is a sign of the prophet Jonah, which is the, the prophet being swallowed by a fish and vanishing for three days before he spat back out and he goes and speaks the word of the Lord. Same chapter, Matthew 16, uh, in verse 21, um, is where Peter rebukes Jesus. So Matthew writes, from then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that he would suffer many things, that he would be killed. And Peter comes and goes, no, 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 Lord, this must never happen to you. In Matthew chapter 17, verse 3, it's Jesus' transfiguration. And he speaks with Elijah and with Moses. Now, in Matthew's gospel, he, just, he speaks with them. In Mark's gospel, we're told, they speak about his exodus. They speak about the sacrifice that's going to come, like the sacrifice of the Passover lamb that leads people out of slavery and bondage. In Matthew 17, 22, Jesus again predicts his death. The Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of his enemies. He will be killed. But on the third day, he'll be raised up from the dead. Uh, then we got to Matthew chapter 20, verse 17. As Jesus went up to Jerusalem, he took the 12 disciples aside and told them what was going to happen to him. Five verses later, uh, James and John, their mum, comes to Jesus and says, when you come into your kingdom, can one son sit on the right, one son sit on the left? And Jesus goes, are you able to drink the bitter cup that I am going to drink from? I go, oh, yes. And actually, he says, you, I, I, he has this moment of in, prophetic insight from the Holy Spirit. Yes, you will. You are going to be killed the way that I'm going to be killed. Uh, but it's not for me to give my right hand and my left hand. So that's six occasions where either Jesus is reminded by Moses and Elijah, or where he plainly tells his disciples, I am going to die. The Son of Man will be betrayed, will be punished, will be killed. This is my future. And so having done that, Jesus now rides on a donkey with all these people cheering and going berserk, going, yay, here comes the king, here comes the Son of David. And I wonder how Jesus felt. Now, I don't know if you will have read or watched. There's a series of books that's made into a film called The Hunger Games. Uh, and it's, uh, the story is that this girl, that you've got uh, a post-apocalyptic America. Um, and it's a new society. And basically, there's been some kind of rebellion. And the country's divided into districts with a capital in the middle. Uh, and to stop everyone rebelling against the capital, the capital has to show that it has all the power. And so every year, each district has to select by lots two children who are sent to the capital to compete in the Hunger Games, where the children are given weapons to kill each other, uh, and the winner, the one surviving child, go, gets sent back to their district with lots of food and gifts and money and honour and everything else like that. And this girl, her sister is chosen, and she volunteers in her sister's place. 
And she goes to the capital, and there's a huge parade. It's massive. And the people in the capital, they, they fill the arena, and they cheer, and they clap, and they applaud. And there are people who are sent to assist them, who say, oh, you must be so excited. All these people have come just to see you. And look, there's the president himself. It's such an honour. And this girl goes, but you're going to watch us die. I don't want to be here. We're here because you're going to make us all fight each other. How am I meant to be happy that you're, you know, you're giving me a makeover and you're all cheering loudly? You're cheering me as I go to my death. And all the, the whole story between her arriving in the capital and going into this awful uh, Hunger Games arena is her going, what's wrong with you people? How can you be cheering this? This is children dying. This is going to be me dying. I will not see you again. I'll be killed by someone else in this game that you have organised. Why are you expecting me to be happy at this point? Now, the difference between Jesus and Katniss from the Hunger Games is that Katniss has no choice. She's chosen. She has no power. The capital doing everything. She wants to protect her family. And so she goes and she is taken on this journey. Jesus arranges his own parade. He not only knows what's coming, he not only knows the future for him and the pain that's coming, he makes it happen. He sends his disciples and says, go, there's going to be a house in that village, there's going to be a donkey and a colt, go get them, and when you stop saying the master needs them, he'll let you bring them. And they come, and he rides them in to Jerusalem. It's his choice. He decides to go down this path that leads to pain, both physical and emotional, with betrayal and his friends deserting him and the loneliness of being on the cross on his own, abandoned by his father, he chooses to do that. And it just made me ask, how? Most of my life is a pursuit of comfort. It's how can I be more comfortable? How can I make my house nice and warm? Um, how can I make sure that my, my, I've got a soft enough mattress to sleep on? I want comfy chairs to sit on, a big enough TV screen to watch without straining my eyes. Most, there's so much things in my life, so many things in my life. It's about how to make my life more comfortable. Jesus chooses suffering and pain. How can he do that? He has options to get out. But we know that when he's with Judas at the Last Supper, rather than saying, Judas, please, mate, we've been through a lot, he says, do it quickly. When the soldiers come, Peter gets out a sword. Jesus heals damage, he does this, we're not doing this. And he lets himself be led away. He says, I could call legions of angels if I wanted to. My father would rescue me if I asked him. But I don't ask, I choose this. And he chooses it because Jesus loves the father. Jesus obeyed the father in everything. Through the coming betrayal, the torture, the execution, Jesus holds on to the fact that he is obeying the will of the Father and that the Father is good. The Father loves him and he loves the Father. 
absolutely nothing else matters. And so he travels on into Jerusalem towards the cross. And whether people cheer or not, doesn't matter. He can obey the Father's will. So for us, on Palm Sundays, we praise Jesus, we worship him as the son of David, the Messiah, the promised one. How do we respond to this? Well, the question is, what would make you happy? As we come to church, as we pray, as we talk to God, what is it we want God to do for us? At what point do we feel like we'd be able to say, actually, if God does that, box tick, I'm, I'm happy, I'm good, everything's fine. This problem with my family, um, this issue with my health, this part of my circumstances, the amount of money I've got coming in, if that could just be tweaked a bit, then I'd be good. God, that I could serve you, we, we, could, we, could, walk, we could walk that walk, that'd be fine. Nothing lasts. Nothing lasts into eternity except our relationship with God. Friendships fail. Family brings us joy, but family also hurts us. Money and status, they're transient, they're unsatisfying. As we approach the cross this Good Friday, we worship Jesus as being our saviour, but also as our example of how to worship the Father. Nothing should matter but our following him, our loving him, our focusing of our lives around his will. And that means we need to confess those places in our lives where we're distracted by the world around us cheering and going, yay, this is great, you've made it, you've done it, this is awesome. Um, by the world telling us that we've arrived or that we will have arrived once we've bought X or achieved Y. We need to focus on Jesus. Just Jesus. Because that relationship is the one thing that will not last. That, <laughs> that will not fade away, that will last. It's the thing that won't perish. And actually when everything else goes belly up on us, when other things fail, when other things disappoint and when we are feeling hurt, Jesus remains his love for us is true. His love for us does not change. The Father is good. Even we don't have what we want right now, and things aren't great right now, he is still good. And his love endures forever. So as we come to the cross, let's put everything else aside and focus on Jesus. Just Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, we just praise you that you were so focused on following the Father's will, on doing what he had called you to do, and on loving him. And through that loving us, that you kept going even though you knew the future held pain and suffering and death. 
would you show us where we are distracted by the crowds, where we are seeking other things than you? And would you help us once again to put our trust wholly and fully in you? We ask this in your name and for your glory. Amen. Amen.